This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. I worked as a shepherd in the fields ever since I was little. I watched the sheep wander back and forth day and night. Luckily though, I wasn't alone that night. Many of us saw it happen. All of a sudden the night sky was as bright as day and what looked like an angel was standing before us. And then the angel spoke. He said, do not fear. I'm bringing you the most joyful news and it's for everyone. The Messiah, the savior has been born tonight in Bethlehem. And this is how you'll recognize him. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly what was one angel was a multitude of angels and they joined together singing glorious praise. As fast as they appeared, they were just gone. So the shepherds and I didn't waste any time. We gathered our things and we left that night for Bethlehem. And when we found Joseph and Mary, we were so excited to share with them what the angel had told us. And there he was, wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. We walked over and knelt beside him. This was the promise we'd been waiting for. This was the Messiah the world had been waiting for. Today, the title of my message is this, In the Field. In the Field. Everybody said, In the Field. The birth of Jesus is a really big deal. And wrapped up in the original story is a truth that we don't want to miss. Last week, we talked about how in the New Testament, there are four Gospels about the life of Jesus, or four different vantage points of one story. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all called the Gospels of Jesus. And Matthew was one of the stories we looked at last week in the vantage point of the wise men and their faces in the story. This week, we're going to look at Luke's account. And when Luke was writing, actually at the very beginning of his story, even before Jesus was born in his story, He gives us some instruction of the why he's telling the story. In Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 1, he says this, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. The reason that we look at the Christmas story is not to revisit a real familiar story and make your heart glad, although it can. The reason we go back through the Christmas story and the truth of this text is because we want to know the truth and we can be confident and certain of the truth. Every person and every face we see in the story is there for a reason and is a part of the truth. So let's look at Luke's account of the night of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. Let me see them. Got your Bibles? Electronic versions count too. Wave them in the air like you just don't care. There we go. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. You got the setting? Nighttime, the shepherds, the sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. 
But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is an epic moment. Many of us can visualize the different participants of the story. But out in the field, there's shepherds, there's angels, there's sheep, there's armies of heaven, they're singing, and the baby is born. I want you to catch what's going on here. The Messiah, who had been prophesied for generations in the Old Testament, is now being born. And if I'm God, who am I going to tell first? I'm not, in this story, he doesn't go to the elite of the land. He doesn't go to the prophets, the religious leaders, the bankers. He doesn't go to the Romans. He doesn't go to any of those people. He goes to the shepherds. Why did he go to the shepherds. Why are they included in this story? I want you to consider that sheep throughout Scripture are talked about over and over again. It's the most mentioned livestock in all of the Bible. The sheep are everywhere in it. And the shepherds of those sheep were really important. In fact, you'll see the word shepherd throughout the entire Old Testament, both literally and as a metaphor, because it be, became a metaphor for leadership. You see, shepherds' primary responsibility for, was for leading and protecting their flock. They had to take care of them. And because they took care of their flock, it most closely related to being a leader over people. Just as shepherds had to take care of sheep and protect them and lead them and feed them, so must leaders lead and protect and guide the people that God has called them to lead. And shepherds dealt with inclement weather, weather and substandard lodging and the threat of dangerous animals intended on going after the flock. They had a cloak or a, 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 some kind of robe or coat that they had. They had a staff. They had a staff. I have one that I keep in my office. I don't know if it was like this, but you can imagine a shepherd would walk with the staff. How I many know this staff could be used for a lot of different things? It could beat somebody off. It could help maneuver difficult terrain. The staff was an important part of the equipment of the shepherd. Now I want you to consider today that leaders, parents, coaches, supervisors, people that have children and grandchildren, all of us can identify with shepherds. Every one of us can. Shepherds have responsibilities that the sheep don't have. Isn't that true? How many know being a parent means you have more responsibility than your kids have? You have to care for them. While you have your own needs, their needs often will come first. You have to beat the wolves off and protect against predators. You have to leave the 99 and go after the one, as Jesus talked about, as the good shepherd. And then you smell like the sheep. You see, shepherds would have to live amongst the sheep. They were there 24-7, if you will. And how many know the same could be true if you're a parent, you know, that when kids come out, they do things. They go to the bathroom, and you have to clean it up, right? 
And how many know sometimes it gets on you and you stink, but it goes even beyond that kind of initial stages of smelling like the sheep, if you will. It also goes into as you grow up, your children, what they do, impact your life. I can remember the time that I backed into somebody in the car and I was a high school. I was scared to death to tell my dad. How come? Because I didn't know how much it was gonna cost the insurance, it was gonna raise the rates for the family. I didn't know what it would mean. I didn't know if I was gonna get a ticket from it. I didn't know anything. I don't know what the kids do impact the parents. And when you're a shepherd, whether it be the people you supervise or you coach or the people you're responsible for in your family, all those people, whatever they do, reflects on you. When I would leave the house, my dad would say, remember who you represent. You represent Jesus Christ and you represent the Roosh name. So whatever I did, I was representing my dad. I hated it when he would say that to me on my way out the door. Because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to be my own person, but how many know? Whatever I did reflected on my parents. For a shepherd, you are stained with the people you're called to be with. Their ups and their downs. You get to own it, you get to be with it, you get to experience it, you don't get to be distant from it. Shepherds and leaders have those responsibilities, but where are those responsibilities found here in this passage? For these shepherds, it's found in the field. In the field. Out there, outside of church. And I want you to take this contextually today. Because as we look at the story of the birth of Jesus, many of us automatically house it in a religious setting with a nativity set and it's kind of a holy night thing that we only think about on Sunday morning when the pastor's preaching on it. But the reality is if you really think about this part of the story is it's out in the field. They're at work. These guys are on the job. They are outside of church, outside of Sunday. And I want you to know that for you and I, your school, your work, your home, your field matters, whatever your field is. The power of Jesus' birth is there for, is for your there. Whatever there is for you, it's your field. Wherever you're going to be, the power of Jesus' birth is meant for your Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Come on, somebody. Your there might be in a, at work. It might be at school. It might be at home taking care of the kids. It might be in the places you go in your community. Your there is your field. And God chose the good news in this story to go to the shepherds in their field. I want you to think about this. Not only did God send the message, he wanted the good news to reach the workplace first. Did you know that God doesn't want the good news to only be found in Emmanuel, in the sanctuary on Sunday morning, but he wants it wherever you work, wherever you go to school. On the count of three, I want you to shout out the name of a place you work or you go to school or the place where you live. One, two, three. That's where he wanted it to go. He wanted his good news to go there, and that's the truth this Sunday morning. So what happened? Let's look at the story. Verse eight. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. How many of you would be terrified if an angel showed up where you were? It would freak you out. You weren't expecting it. So they're worried about it. it kind of, this isn't normal. 
This is something different. And then the angel lets them in on why he is there. Look at verse 10. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So again, there's one angel, group of shepherds, and he tells them a few things. He says, don't be afraid. When God is up to something, you don't need to be afraid, right? So how many of you know when you're afraid, you don't make good decisions? You're kind of freaked out, you're worried, you make stupid decisions. Don't ever make a permanent decision in the middle of a crisis. Be smart about that. He says, don't be afraid, pump the brakes, chill out. Then he, then he says this, I've got some news for you. And this good news, how many know we need some good news in 2019? This good news is for all people. So I'm a shepherd, I'm out in the field, I only know other people just like me. But the announcement was, it's for me, but it's also for everyone. And really this is the message of the gospel that is repeated over and over again around the globe. And it's really rooted in Jesus' heart. You remember when Jesus walked into the temple and he started kicking tables over inside of his temple? And he quoted from the book of Isaiah and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus was upset because those tables that were set up were preventing people that were not Jews, a class of people they called the Gentiles, were not, they didn't have room in the temple for them. And Jesus wants everyone in. The good news is for everyone everywhere. Every age demographic, no matter where you're from, no matter what your skin color is or the language that you speak, Jesus, good news this Christmas is for everyone. It's for the immigrants among us. Come on, somebody. It's for people in high status and low status. It is for everybody. And that's what he's announcing to them, okay? And then he says that it is the Messiah, the Messiah, the one that was promised, this figure that had been prophesied about over and over again in the Old Testament that would come hundreds of years into the future. Many of the prophecies were like previews of a coming movie. And now this is the moment that these shepherds get to experience. The Messiah is born, and he's born in Bethlehem, the city of David. I want you to think about that. Who was David? You know who David was in the Old Testament? Yes, he was a great king, but you know who he was first? He was a shepherd boy. David was a shepherd boy who would sing songs out in the field while he took care of sheep. And God saw something special in David and thought, if he can take care of these sheep, he can take care of a nation. How many know that's still true in our life? If we can take care of what God's already given us, he can trust us with more. But if we can't take care of what he's given, don't ask him for more. Take care of what he's already given you. Come on, somebody. Here this shepherd king who becomes a king, and out of the line of David would come Jesus. This was the place that the Messiah was called to be born. And here's the cool thing. Not only did they get the announcement like they were sitting by the radio or watching their phone and coming across on Twitter or something, breaking news, but they also received an invitation from the angel. He says, you're going to go and get to see him. You're going to go and you're going to notice him because he's going to be wrapped in 
cloth, and he's going to be in a manger. In other words, you're not just hearing the news, you get to participate. In fact, today, I want you to know, no matter backdrop you're in, no matter if you're a member of a church or you have any church history whatsoever, or even understand religion or what this pastor is saying, I want you to know you're included and invited into his story. You have an invitation to come discover Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're invited. They're invited, and they get to hear the announcement and participate. So the story is getting bigger. Then, a private conversation between one angel and a group of shepherds turns into a galactic choir concert. Come on, somebody. Because you can look at it in verse 13. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heavens and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, this is an amazing moment because it says the armies as in plural. There were thousands of them. But, it, you know, when I was growing up, I used to think of this moment as there's just a bunch of people in choir robes singing. Three-part harmony, you know. And they were uh, just singing. And it was all these people... And, you know, I grew up a football player. I wasn't in the choir. My friends were in the choir. And so they got to sing and they had the voice. But I was the one out there and busted people on the field. So I never saw that as kind of a cool event. I, I saw it as come some kind of opera concert. Oh, glory to God in the highest. I never really pictured, never really pictured that these were the armies of heaven. These were the warriors of heaven, the ones that kicked demon butt. Come on, somebody. The ones that war on our behalf, the ones that win the battle in the spiritual places, high places of, of warfare, the ones that are out there. This is the army. And yeah, they were singing. But this was the army. Now, I want you to consider now. This event has gone like supernatural now. An angel says something, now the army's around. This is a big event. How many know when a king is born, all the armies show up? They show up. This wasn't just a haphazard, another kid born moment. This is the son of God, the Messiah, the one that would save people from their sins. And the armies are there to show it. And by the way, Years, can you imagine going back on the job the next day, out on the field, and there's no angel talking to you, you're still taking care of the sheep that are around you, but all you could imagine is, man, there really are angels out there. They're surrounded. I'm surrounded by the armies of heaven. It opened their eyes to a spiritual dimension. You and I could get our eyes open this morning. And they said, glory to God in the highest, or the supreme heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And the wise men had followed the stars to get to see Jesus. But God brought the stars to the shepherds. And the choir of heaven shows up. And friends, I want you to know, praise belongs in your field. Not just in the sanctuary. It belongs where you go to work. 
It belongs in your home. This sense of highest praise. You're not alone when you go to school. You're not alone when you go to work. And yes, it's dark. And yes, it seems hopeless. And yes, there seems to be a lot of uh, bullying going on around. But listen, when you lift up the name of Jesus and the armies of heavens are nearby, you are in a position where you can discover enlightenment from heaven, that you're not alone, that he's with you, and with God before you, who can be against you? You can know it in the middle of your story. So what did the shepherds do with what they heard? Verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go. I don't think you're quite understanding the level of let's go and how excited they were. This week, I was watching Michigan basketball team, and uh, each of my sons have become Michigan fans. Surprise, surprise, right? And we're watching them, Michigan, go on a run of like eight to ten points, and they're, they're doing really well in this game. And uh, not all of us are in the same room watching the TV, you know, I got a couple sons in different locations. But then there's text going back forth. And it was, let's go. How many of you know that's a, there's a special meaning to the let's go when that text comes across? It's like, we're awesome. We're winning. Let's go. You know, there's something excited about it. Let's get into this thing, right? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Can you imagine the shepherds in this story? They just saw unbelievable things, heard unbelievable things, and received an invitation to show up and see a baby. It wasn't, hey, what do you think about going into town? <laughs> it wasn't Eeyore out in the field, friends. This was like, I'm pumped, let's go check it out. And they are ready to go worship the king. Come on, somebody, I'm a little dramatic with it, but this is exciting stuff. This is like, let's go. Go check it out. And they hurried, verse 16, to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. These shepherds now get to be with the king. What? We're not supposed to be in this story. We are invited to be here with the king. It was overwhelming. I could imagine the tears. I could imagine the sense of, of honor, the sense of I can't believe I get to be in this place. I don't know how you feel when you come to church, but I, I feel this some Sundays when I come in and I'm beginning to worship and I'm singing about Jesus' grace and his love and kindness and how he's with me. And I sit there and go, I don't deserve it. But I get to be here. I get to have relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I get to. They had accepted the invitation. They had saw the promised Messiah. I want you to think about how their night has gone so far. An angel had terrified them. Armies of heaven broke into a song while they were on the job. They had received an invitation to go and see the promised Messiah. And out of all the people in the world, they were able to see the promise. What a night. So what do you do next? Verse 17, after seeing him, 
The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. What they do? They went and they told everyone what had happened. They shared their amazing experience. And what did they share? They shared what they had seen and what they had heard. A person with an experience is never at the mercy of somebody with an argument. People out there can argue religion away. They can argue whatever. But when you've experienced Jesus, friends, you're never at the mercy of anyone. He's real. He's real. And because he's real, you got to tell somebody. you got to share what God has done in your story. This Christmas, I think it's really important for people to hear the real life story from you, not just from a preacher. They need to see it in you. That doesn't mean life is perfect. You're going to go through down times, difficult times, and I want you to know people are watching you. They're observing your life. They know you're a Christian. They know you go to church. But that doesn't change their life. What changes their life is the living testimony in front of them. That when you go through difficult times and you don't know what to do and things aren't going that great, they know it. But when you go to prayer and you persevere and God provides a way and you're sustained by his grace, they're watching. And then when they hit their own moments, they're going to want what you've got. Are you hearing me today? It's important to stay in the journey and go tell somebody. That's why the old Christmas song that people would sing, it's not just for me. It's not just for my house. i got to tell everyone, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus, ah, you got to get it out. You got to tell somebody. Got to let them know. Finally, they went back to work. Turn to the person next to you and say, go back to work. (laughs) The shepherds went back to their flocks, verse 20, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. They still had to go on with their story, but they went back praising. They went back with an awareness that God was with them, and if God was with them, anything was possible. I want you to know that this week, I prayed, and I'm like, Lord, give me some takeaways, some thoughts for the people related to this story, and I feel like God put three things in my heart related to this I want you to take with you. The first thing is this. Be open to Jesus' birth reaching your field. Be open to the idea that the power of the gospel isn't diminishing. It's not getting weaker. It's not lost its strength. The power of light has not not been quenched by darkness. But light needs to go into the darkness. Come on, somebody. And perhaps God would have the power of his gospel and the story of Jesus Reach the world around you. And he might surprise you and others outside of church. The shepherd's story shows us that God is interested in your field, whatever it may be, wherever it may be. And busyness can have a way of blocking our ability to receive a message. We can kind of say, you know what? I'm going to go about my work. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to hang with my friends. I've got to handle all my responsibilities, all my bills, and all the things i got to go to all week long, but Jesus, Sunday morning, that's when you can speak to me. 
and we're not receiving the message he wants to give us on the job. He wants to drop in our mind in life experiences. When things don't go right, he wants to show up in your lowest valley. Be open to the idea that God would show up in your field. And I believe that God will speak prophetically about your job if you will listen. And we're believing for a Christmas visitation in our fields. This week, I want to challenge you to do something. How many have ever taken a selfie? Now, how many have ever laughed at somebody taking a selfie? <laughs> Let's do that too. This is what I want you to do this week. Sometime this week, wherever you go, school, work, or the place that you hang out in your field, take a selfie with the people around you or the workplace that you're in. And, uh, and let it be a picture that you post and tag a manual in it. You could put in the field or whatever you want or faces of Christmas whatever, and it's our little cue that we want God to have a prophetic witness in the community outside the church, that God would break out in the communities around us, and uh, can you do that? I almost want to like have, have you raise your right hand and double dog dare you and all of that kind of stuff, but do it this week. Just tag a manual in it. The second thought is this. Shepherds need a shepherd. Shepherds need a shepherd. When you're a shepherd, the sheep won't know it when you're hurting as the shepherd. Kids don't need to know everything that parents struggle with. Sometimes they need to know you struggle, but they don't need to know all the details. You don't need to worry them or whatever else. But here's, employees don't always know what the supervisor is going through. But we need help. If you're going to lead others, care for your family, care for your kids, Care for the people on the job, the coworkers, the schoolmates that you have, the friendship group, the circle of friends that you have, your connect group, whatever it may be. All of those people need a sense of confidence. And when the shepherd is going through stuff, listen, if I'm going through stuff or you're going through stuff, I can't just take a break from being a shepherd. I gotta take care of their needs first, right? But I need a shepherd. I need help. You need help in your story. I was thinking about it this week. I was reminded of the story of the, of the ship that was going across the Atlantic Ocean back in the 1700s. You can imagine the time and the era and the storm comes up and, and the waves are getting higher and higher in the storm. The wind and the waves are crashing in on deck. So they put everybody in the bottom of the boat except the captains up top. And the water's starting to come in and the people underneath are getting worried. Are we going to drown? Are we going to go down? Or what's going to happen? They wanted word. They didn't know. They were scared and they were worried. And so they sent this little teenage boy up to go see the captain. So he climbs up the steps, gets on the deck, and he holds onto the ropes as the water's crashing in and the boat is moving around. And he finally opens the door to where the captain is. He's got his hands on the, on the wheel. And he looks at the captain. The captain turns around and looks him in the face, doesn't say a word. The kid sees the face of the captain, closes the door and runs down, didn't get any word from him, gets to the bottom of the boat and everybody kind of huddles close to him and says, are we gonna drown? Is it, is it, is it all lost? Are, are we hopeless? And he says, it's gonna be okay. I have seen the face of the captain. In other words, he was sure he was okay and because he seemed calm, we're okay. You know what's important as a leader, as a shepherd, as a parent, 
as a, in a group of friendships, if you have a, a mantle of leadership, it's important for you to have a face of the captain that the ship isn't going down. It's important for, and that means if you're going to retain that, you're going to need a shepherd in your life. Life will crush you. It will overwhelm you. Stuff will come at you, and when it does, you cannot relinquish the staff. You can't let go of your responsibilities. You're still responsible for the sheep, the people that you're responsible for. This last year has probably been the most difficult year of my entire life. And I've gone through a lot of things in my story, but I've gone through quite a bit this year, things that have battled me, and uh, things that I, out of the blue, things I didn't even expect, things that I, couldn't, I could not communicate from a pulpit to you, but I can tell you, took a lot of prayer, a lot of work, effort, a lot of things, but I needed, to, I needed to make some phone calls. I made a phone call to Pastor Benson, a spiritual leader in my life, a shepherd in my life, and I would just kind of tell him what's going on, or I'd talk to a Pastor Choco, or talk to leaders in my story, and then I would go, I don't know what to do, and things don't seem right, I don't you know, how many ever have your own hissy fit? You gotta have a space where you can let it out, right? And so, I had those spaces, and sure enough, every time that I make a phone call, I'm acknowledging I need a shepherd. They let me know, you know what? I've been through that. It's going to be all right. Yeah, been there. Yep, I understand. Let me pray for you. And when we hang up the phone, there's a peace in my soul that I didn't have before I made the phone call. Things didn't change around me, but change, things changed within me. And I'll tell you what, I still have a responsibility to get in the pulpit every Sunday. I still have a responsibility to deliver the word. God's called me to shepherd a flock. I have a responsibility to do that. And in order for me to do that, I need a shepherd. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? You can't lead without being underneath authority. You need to have a safe place that you come underneath it. David, the shepherd, penned Psalm 23. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. His rod and his staff, what? Comfort me. I mean, no, a rod and a staff aren't just used to protect against the wolves. Sometimes it's to get us in alignment. But when you trust the Lord and follow him and come under, he will guide you in the direction you need to go. Shepherds need a shepherd. The third thing and final thing is this. The baby was a shepherd. This baby that they were coming to worship was a shepherd. He was the good shepherd, Jesus called himself. He was a shepherd and a leader and a guard of his people. And he is the one that would suffer for the people. He is the one that eventually will judge the nations. When we read the Christmas story and we hear about Jesus' birth, it's also a reminder there's a day coming when Jesus is coming back as our shepherd. And when he comes back, there will be a judgment. So it's incumbent on us. It is our responsibility in this life to humble ourselves under his leadership so when he returns, we know his name. In fact, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. We need to know and listen to his voice 
even in this day. Can I get an amen to that? The model of leadership is found in Jesus as we follow him. Let's make sure he truly is our shepherd. I was asked a question by the Holy Spirit this week, one that I'm still chewing on, and this was the question. Are you still a disciple of Jesus? A disciple is one who follows a leader and does what the leader is saying to do. A disciple is disciplined. They don't do everything everyone else is doing. They only do what the leader, the discipler says to do. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying this to me. After decades of following Jesus, I was born in church practically. I, my mom and dad, they, they spoke in tongues at the dinner table. I had to be in church. When I was sick, you go to church when you're sick. You don't get out of church because you're sick. How many know that kind of household when you grow up? I've known and heard more messages. I know more about religion and church. But the Holy Spirit wasn't interested in my knowledge about church things. He was asking me a question. Are you still a disciple of Jesus? I'm 40, none of your business years old. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. This Christmas, I'm reminded, I still need a shepherd. I haven't outgrown my need for the good shepherd. I need him to lead me and guide me. He may have to walk me through the valley of the shadow, and I won't fear because he's with me. But I can't make it alone. I need the good shepherd in my story. Come on, somebody. You and I need the good shepherd in our story. Today we have the opportunity to encounter Jesus in our fields, to open our eyes and hear the sound of heaven, to seek after him. What is your next step? These shepherds heard and saw a vision and saw an army of angels. But their next step was to receive the invitation and accept it and go to Bethlehem. What do you need to do to take your next step? Do you need to re-up being a disciple of Christ? Do you need to refocus your story around him? Do you need to let Jesus be more your shepherd? What is it that you need to do? Perhaps you've never given your life to Christ, and today you need to. You need to stop fooling around. You need to turn around and say, you know, I recognize there's only one God that loves me for who I am. Only one Savior that died on the cross for my sin. And maybe today you need to say, you know what, I need to surrender to Christ. I need to give my life to him. Would you close your eyes, each of our campuses today? If you're here today, I want to challenge you on several levels. This is for everyone. I want you to consider this is your time you have your eyes open and see that maybe Jesus wants to be in the field of your story outside the church, in your home, at your job, at your school, everywhere you go, that you need your eyes and your heart open. If you could right now, just open your hands up like this and just begin to say, Jesus, open my eyes. Open my eyes and help me to see you. Let me see the armies of heaven. Instead of being worried and feeling like the sky is falling, open the skies and let me see the armies above me. 
that you're for me. And if you're for me, who can be against me? Trust in you, Jesus. Lord, begin to speak into the stories of our fields. Lord, I pray right now specifically in the Twin Cities, in the neighborhoods, in the the workplaces that we're in, the, the schools that we attend, the people that are outside of the church. Lord, would you begin to open eyes and bring the good news of the gospel to people who are far away from you. I pray, God, that you would open up opportunities to use the saints here at Emmanuel, the people, Lord, that are saved by your grace, that we would, Lord, have hope in our hearts for the people around us, that we wouldn't have darkness closing out the hope in our story, but, Lord, the light would be so strong within us that we gotta tell the world and go tell it on the mountain. I pray, God, it would be released even now in Jesus' name. Let the prophetic be released present tense power of God in everyone's story. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're also, you've been listening throughout this service and you say, Pastor Nate, truthfully, I just need to surrender to God. I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to come back to him. And that's you. I just want to pray with you. And there may be many of you on each of our campuses or those joining us online and you're like, I got to give my life to Christ. I got to get it right. This is your moment. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And if you mean it from your heart, God will hear you, and I just want you to pray this prayer out loud after me, and everybody else in here, you can, you can join right in. Say, say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and you're alive. Today, I surrender. I give up and ask you to be my leader. Make me new. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise in the house. Amen. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.